Welcome to the Fantasy Football Predictive Analytics with Reese Tiefertiller. Uh, Reese Tiefertiller back with Fantasy Football Predictive Analytics podcast with the esteemed Shane P. Hallam. And the P's there in his Twitter feed, so I had to throw it in there. <laughs> Shane, how's it going? Oh, look, it's going well. We, we've had some uh, some good NFL games, and, and I always enjoy it. Glad that that's back and happening. And uh, college football's back. I get to see some SECs, some, some Big 12, some ACCs. So I, I've just been in my element. I'm glad that football's been back and things have been rolling. I guess there is a positive. Maybe college football season will last longer this year because the Big 10 and Pac-12 are spreading it out for us. I'm a half-glass full guy some days. Yeah, like I, I, you know, I think it'll be fun to to have some of those games maybe into de- December, and um, you know, have the, the the max coming back late as well. So I'm I'm in for for any football we can get. Uh, the more the merrier. Oh yeah, bad football is still better than no football. It's what I say. August NFL preseason, everybody's complaining. I'm like, man, bad football with guys that are hungry is still better than no football. All right, Reese, you want to kick us off? How did you get started writing about fantasy football? So, you know, I started like a lot of people um, just just kind of when I was young, I think I was in uh, about eighth grade, you know, joining a free Yahoo fantasy football league and uh, hopping in, not knowing what the heck I was doing, being a, a Steelers fan. You know, my first ever fantasy pick was um, was Mark Bruner, a blocking tight end for the Steelers, who I think maxed out of 20 catches a year. I mean, a terrible fantasy pick, but I don't know what I was doing. I liked them. So I picked them, you know, and, and that's, that's just how you, how you start. And then as this things kind of rolled on I, and I got into it, it, it really led to me wanting to watch the game, watch more games than just here in Pittsburgh and, and the Steelers. Um, and so and then, you know, I, I, I was never, I'm, I'm not an athletic guy. Um, I, I could never really play. I played, uh, football, I think for, for a day in high school and, and dropped every pass thrown to me, you know, I was like, this is not for me. And so, uh, you know, that's when um, the, the NFL draft was really interesting to me because this is kind of a strategic element to football where you don't need to be athletic, but you need to be able to assess. So, you know, I got really into that in 2004 and, you know, that kind of melded nicely with fantasy football. And so, you know, I, I always like being kind of the big fish in the small pond, um, and, and so I would go on the, the draft NFL draft message boards and talk fantasy and go on the fantasy message boards and talk draft and seem like the expert in each side. And, um, you know, that, that was really fun. And so, you know, through, through, so people just kind of started approaching me. I started writing for DraftCountdown.com, doing some, um, draft work there. And then, you know, started kind of on the fantasy side, um, as well. And, and it's kind of developed till today. And now, you know, it's nice because I can combine those two loves in, in dynasty leagues with rookie drafts and, you know, Debbie leagues drafting college players. So uh, as we've seen fantasy expand and the draft become more popular, I think it's really uh, worked out you know, to my advantage of what I like to do. I will say, as Reese gets to the next question, up, I don't think the draft community does as good a job as some of the other communities. And I'll say this. When we talk rookie drafts, look, if we are retrospective, and you and I picked the, the we redrafted Dynasty Top 5, I would think that much of what was 
drafted would be turned on its top on its end. How is CD Lamb not number one, or you know Rugs in the top five or whatever? Do you disagree with that? No, I, I don't disagree. I, th- I think a lot of things would change, and I think it, it, it becomes kind of micro versus macro, right? When you're playing um, a dynasty and you're picking number two and you're looking at your team and you're looking at scarcity and like, I'm going to just take this running back, right? Because that's what you, that's what everyone needs. Um, and, and maybe we just shouldn't do that, right? Maybe you should take those, just the better talents and take the draft capital um, and, you know, have that kind of turn into tradable assets. Uh, you know, I'm not a big analytics guy. I'm definitely a tape guy, but you know, the analytics community, uh, they'll tell you the, 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 you know, the, the biggest indicator of success is draft capital. The higher you're drafted, the more likely you are to succeed. It just, it just, it, it, it correlates. So, you know, if you just follow that, you'd probably be great. But we, you know, sometimes I think we overthink things a little bit and just try to play it a little cute. And maybe we just shouldn't do that as much. I'm with it. Cause I remember, I mean, I was looking back through my 2018 draft and I got, I'm in a bunch of dynasty leagues, but Ridley in the 110, 111, 112 in a bunch of drafts, you know, and <laughs> we look now and we're like, what? Or we look back on uh, the whatever draft it was with all those Camara and all those 2017, guys. 2017, where it was Camara, McCaffrey, Aaron Jones, James Conner, Joe Mixon, yeah. even Leonard Fournette, Dalvin yeah. Cook. But Fournette was the top fancy guy because of draft capital. And uh, it's just interesting, Shane, to me because of, it's just interesting. Let me just say it that way because we miss on so many and I expect us to get better like we have in every other area. You know what I mean? Like the fantasy community is really up their game except in the the ability to, I don't want to say analyze Debbie players coming in or, you know, rookies coming in. We look at, uh, you know, share, you know, like market share and all that stuff, but I'm not so sure those relate as much as we'd like them to. No, I, I think it's absolutely a concern. I, I really would like to see uh, more analysis and, you know, I wish I had the time to do it, to go back to, you know, rookie draft ADP, go back to draft capital, go back to position and really run some of those numbers. Who, who've been busts, uh, what positions have they come from, where have they gotten drafted, you know, uh, and there's been a little bit of that, but I think we really would have to go back 10, 15, 20 years to have a good, um, you know, well-rounded look at, uh, statistically have a large sample size because I think we could learn some things and learn that, um, you know, is it the guys kind of pre-draft that you know, the analysts have up there that are usually good or, you know, like I said, it's probably the players that we know are good and get drafted high. Um, and you combine those things, the CD Lambs and the Jerry Judys and the Henry Ruggs, you know, those are the guys that are, are probably going to work out. Yeah, I'm with you. And also, identifying the especially running backs and wide receivers that are too slow to be NFL stars before the combine. You know what I mean? Identify those guys. Think of Tyler Johnson. What what held him back? Or because he was a darling in the Debbie community, right? Yeah, and you know, and, and I I think just that um you know, that if you can be predictive, like you said, if you can really look at those players that their stock is going to fall and kind of play that stock game, you know, I, I am a co-host on um, a Debbie podcast, the Debbie Marketplace, and we just talk about value, 
right? And trying to get that value, uh, sell those players high and kind of buy them low. And, you know, that, and that's what it's about. The Tyler Johnsons of the world, the guys that you should have sold high because he, he wasn't going to run fast enough to be a top 50 pick. And so if you, you can make those identifying factors, I think it helps along the way. Dean Butler's another one, right? Well, how many Debbie leagues are you in then? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I'm in about 12. Um, they definitely vary um, uh, over time. So, you know, I have some that are literally, um, you know, one round and, th- you know, that's it. It's pretty shallow. And, and I'm in some that are, you know, giant. I started the, the pinnacle of Debbie this year, getting 11 other um, kind of NFL draft fantasy Debbie analysts. And, you know, we drafted a hundred rounds. We drafted uh, no player in the NFL was eligible. It was IDP and offense. And we're, we're not starting the league for two more years till 2022. So you're really projecting, you know, these players uh, for the future. And so that, that was fun because it's a very different kind of exercise and, and having some really good minds that are watching guys in high school and draft, trying to draft them and how young do you go and how old do you go? And, um, you know, that, that, that this, it's kind of a really different way of thinking about it. And that's why I think that Debbie's fun, even if you don't like it, even if you don't like college football, she gives you more things to trade, more assets to move around, and, um, you know, more players to kind of root for as time goes on. So it's 120 players, not not in the pros, right? And 1,200, 1,200 players, yeah. Oh my, I need to add a zero to my math there. <laughs> so, uh, You're not the math teacher in the family. Don't it, worry about it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but what I was going to – I saw your uh, your tweets about Arch Manning. How, how early did you go after, uh, you know, Eli and Peyton's nephew? So I, I drafted Arch Banning in this draft at the 1008. Uh, you know, it's a super flex. So I drafted him at the 1008. I actually drafted uh, Quinn Ewers at the 1007, uh, who's the number one quarterback, the class before him. So Arch Banning's a sophomore in high school. Uh, Quinn Ewers in, at South Lake Carroll in Texas is a junior in high school, both the number one quarterbacks for those given years. So, um, you know, I, I kind of broke the seal on those really young players um, in the draft because I was like, you know, th- this is fun. And these are these are guys that can sling it. I mean, I mean, Arch Manning, you know, um, is super impressive. So um, I, I don't think there's many people right now that can say that they have Arch Manning on their fantasy team, but uh, I have him actually in two leagues. So I'm, I'm hopeful that he'll work out here. Southlake has put out, people don't appreciate, Southlake's put out several NFL starters. And uh, <laughs> and I say it for the audience to go look up. Um, Reese, give me the eyeball. It's true, young man. And so <laughs> Southlake and some of those uh, Dallas areas uh, yeah. schools really are serious about football well uh let's go into it at the most important position for super flex leagues who are your top five 2020 rookie quarterbacks in order sure so uh, you know number one is definitely trevor lawrence in terms of the draft class this year i mean i i think right now we still have some games to go but he's actually my highest rated quarterback ever since i've been doing this since 2004, um, just edging out Andrew Luck and, and I think out of Matthew Stafford third. Um, so, I mean, he, he's the full package. He has been since he was in high school, right? As a player that we knew was going to be really good. So um, he'll be the number one overall pick for sure. 
Number two, I have Justin Fields from Ohio State um, kind of projecting. You know, we'll see the Big Ten's going to play, and uh, he has to do it again. He has to do what he did last year and improve a little bit on, you know, some of the accuracy issues and decision-making. But I think it's going to happen. So he may not quite be number two overall material yet, but he's pretty close. Number three, I have Kyle Trask, quarterback for Florida, who uh, was terrible last season. Uh, you know, he, he was, he was awful. Now he's, he's an interesting story because he has hadn't started a game since his freshman year of high school uh, because De'Ara King, the Miami quarterback came in and started um, Kyle Trask last three years, but he, you know, he, he went to Florida uh, for a football camp after the scholarship thinking he probably would never play. And here he is, you know, starting for them. And he's just improved a ton between last year and this year, footwork, um, decision-making uh, even just the, just the way he, his releases, so and he knows the offense. He knows he can just throw it up to Kyle Pitts, and it doesn't have to be super accurate. Um, but you know, I think he's intriguing. Number four, I have Tanner Morgan, the quarterback from Minnesota, uh, who I really want to see because I think he could rise up to be that number three first round pick quarterback. I think he could fall, be a late round pick. Um, you know, he's not super athletic or uh, doesn't have you know a super arm, but his release is super smooth, same every time. Uh, I think I really think he made Tyler Johnson and even Rashad Bateman a little bit better than they are. So I, I want to see how he does this season. And number five, I just moved up. Uh, Matt Corral, the quarterback from Ole Miss, who just lit up Alabama's defense. I mean, it was one of the most impressive quarterbacking games I've seen. Um, I think him and Joe Burrow, probably the two of the best I've seen against uh, Nick Saban, Alabama team in a while. Um, and so, you know, he's a player I'm intrigued by. I don't think he'll declare, but he's a player I'm intrigued by. And so that leaves – you know, number six, kind of on the outside looking in for me, is Trey Lance, the North Dakota State quarterback, who everyone's kind of a buzz, who, you know, I, I, I have lower just because I think he's not quite NFL ready. And he'll get drafted super high. I'm not saying that he won't go in the top 10 or 15. Uh, he's, you know, he's big. He's got that Cam Newton kind of speed. But uh, I'm just, I just don't think he's quite ready for the NFL. I think he has the arm strength. I think he has the size and athletic ability, but you know, he's not accurate. Um, he, he really struggles with, with decision-making that offense is very simplistic and that, you know, he played, got to play one game this year against central Arkansas and he, he didn't play well. He ran well. He didn't throw well. He had four NFL throws the whole game. And I wrote an article for fakepigskin.com breaking it down and why I don't have him in the, as a first round pick, even though he probably will be right now. So I wrote down some notes. If you saw me looking down, the best game against Bama that I've seen in recent memory was the Johnny Manziel game. And oh, that's a good one too. That was the best one I had seen with Mike Evans. And anyway, uh, I was going to throw two names at you since you threw the, that. First of all, I 100% agree about Trey, Trey Lance in terms of he's going to have to go to a scheme that fits him. But that's not, you know, like, Brian Dayball with Josh Allen. Look how great Josh Allen looks. And I think Brian Dayball gets a lot of credit. But I was going to throw Brock Purdy, who I did not like last year and the year before and everybody else loved. And now he's kind of showing more of his true self. Were you ever on the Brock Purdy train? I was never super high on him. You know, I, I was intrigued last year. I never had him, you know, number two first round pick. Um, but, but, you know, I think the athletic ability, I was like, okay, this is a guy that could uh, make it a little bit, but I mean, I think, I think he's come out and without an offensive line, you know, he's, he's really struggled and I think shown himself as more of a, a late rounder for sure. Yeah. How about Jamie Newman? He opts out. 
he had the I mean I want to say the setup because Georgia quarterbacks have a you look at the last few starters they've had and they're all in the NFL you know if we go back to well we don't need to go with all those but you know they've all been in the NFL Jamie Newman does he have a chance to crack your top five there even without playing no <laughs> I mean I think he's he's lucky to crack my top 10 right now um to be honest with you and, and uh, look, once again it's not that he's bad but i we really needed to see him i mean uh, you're, you're playing for wake forest uh it's a system that really favored um what he did and i wanted to see him in an nfl style system we just haven't seen it he really would just throw it up to sage surratt and let him do some damage so you know i, I i'm just not a big jamie newman fan i don't think he has elite physical talents and so you know you combine that with not playing this year, um, I, I'll, I'll really be surprised if he goes in the you know third round or above. I, I think I think someone will take him. Um, you have a guy that's had a lot of production, but uh, he's going to be a third day pick, I think. And so I'm sure he'll move up my list when guys go back to school. But right now, you know, I take everyone that's draft eligible. I mean, he's sitting you know at, at at ten for me, and and it's it's close. <laughs> you know, so you're not gaining anything by not playing, unfortunately. Right. It's, I think too many people got to him. All right. I one, think he's in the same boat as like Sam Ellinger as in terms of where he, he would be drafted. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, Sam Ellinger is um, like I said, kind of a, a system. Can I, can I bring him in? If could I, could I bring him into the Ravens? Could I bring him into the bills? You know, that might be a great fit. Whereas like Jamie Newman, it's like, I don't even know if he fits any offense in the NFL because we really haven't seen it. Uh, so I'm with you. I'm with you, Reese. I think you're right. That's not a bad call. You know, he and I were talking. I would take going from an NFL lens. I think Shane Bouchelle is a better NFL prospect than Ellinger. Or Ellinger, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I think it could. It could be. It'll be interesting now uh, for uh, Bouchelle without Reggie Roberson, who's oh. out for the rest of the year. Yeah, you know, you know, if he still can do it, I think it could really help his NFL draft stock. Right. Um, if you can prove that you can, you know, throw it to uh, to some players that aren't going to be NFL talents. But um, it's I think it gets kind of tough in that middle. Um, you know, even a guy like Mac Jones for Alabama, I'm struggling where to put him because he's played decently. I don't think he's super physically talented. So uh, we'll, we'll kind of see how it separates here. Mac Jones looks like uh, Jacob Eason to me, but that's a different weak arm, smart, good processor, but maybe not have the NFL talent recent West Coast type of quarterback i think is what you're saying yes good call but as reese is ready to fire one up on you i was going to ask you what did you think of sam howe this week uh, I, I you know i was impressed i, I thought he, he's kind of bounced back from um you know from the early season put up a lot of points virginia tech's defense isn't isn't a joke i mean it's not you know it's not great but it's not georgia but uh you know i don't think it's a terrible defense so um, I was a little scared after the, that first game and he struggled in the first quarter, but I think he kind of brought it back. So I actually like that 2022 quarterback class, I think is super intriguing, you know, with, with him and, and Keon Slovis from USC, uh, Jaden Daniels from Arizona state. You know, I think those three really have a lot of potential. We'll see if Spencer Rattler for Oklahoma can kind of pick it back up. I don't know, but um, that's an intriguing class as well. I'm with you there. So the, pretty much the consensus running back one was Travis Etienne. Who's so, your running back two? Well, some people, Reese, 
have Etienne, number two, behind Najee Harris or Chubba Hubbard, right, Shane? Uh, there are a couple. I, I you know, I, I, I'm with Reese. I think that uh, Travis Etienne, you know, is, is a consensus RB1 for me. Uh, I think um, he is, you know, what Alvin Kamara could have been in college if he was used correctly. I mean, Etienne is just explosive off the snap, gets that top gear, um, is really tough to bring down the open field, and su- such a good outside runner. So even, you know, I think even if you would pick him up and put him in a, a different team, a different system, I think you'd be really good. And his pass catching is improving this season, uh, this past game against Miami. I mean, he dominated them. And a lot of it was through the air, was catching passes, catching screens, um, you know, and, and I think that's huge for him. So, you know, I, I like him. I, I have Chuba Hubbard, the running back from Oklahoma State, as my number two. And um, I'm not super comfortable with that. Um, I'm not super comfortable with any of these guys as, as an RB2, but I think that Hubbard is, um, he's going to run, you know, he, he's an uh, Olympic athlete. He's going to run in the four threes. And to me, that, that that's enough. I think his vision is poor and that's being nice. I think his vision's really bad, but, you know, you don't necessarily need that uh, in, in the NFL, you know, and that's something you can develop. I think that that top speed is more important and um, the production is off the charts. So, you know, he, he's my number two and, and Najee Harris is uh, he's my RB four right now. I, you know, I just feel like he's, he's, he's an Alabama running back. You know, he's big. He, he, he can bowl you over. He has production. Uh, he's playing with an NFL offensive line. Um, but I, I don't think he's going to be fast. I don't think he's going to hold up. Um, he's taken a beating over these years. I don't know why he went back to school. And um, I, I, th- I think it's problematic. Reese made a comment off the air for those listening that he, he kind of looked like Eddie. He worried about the Eddie Lacy, uh, the fat Eddie Lacy pictures before Reese's football time. But I was even thinking, having visions of Bo Scarborough or, you know, yeah. those Alabama pounders. I mean, on the positive side, you know, Josh Jacobs looked pretty good. So, you know, we don't want to paint a broad brush. Remember, Shane, I, I say this uh, half-jokingly. I'm old enough to remember when everybody was out against Wisconsin running backs because Ron Dane didn't do it, you know. And we've had like four or five cents that have been quality running backs. And, and I think that's key. But, you know, when we weren't talking about these Bama running backs, we're talking about Nick Saban coached running backs, right? You know, I'm not going to compare Jonathan Taylor to Ron Dane in different systems. And um, I mean, where Eddie Lacy was, was a Saban running back and Damian Harris and Bo Scarborough. You know, I think Najee Harris has proven that he's, you know, more of a talent than a, Har- a Damian Harris or a Bo Scarborough. But I think Eddie Lacy, I think Reese is on the money. I think Eddie Lacy could be a good comparison. Eddie Lacy was just really broken, you know. I mean, and that's what happens. They take just this heavy beating. I mean, the thing with Josh Jacobs is he never led the team in carries. He was fresh. Um, and and uh, that, that we're seeing three years of Najee Harris. That's scary to me. And, um, you know, I think if he gets to into a Pittsburgh or gets into a good system, yeah, he'll, you know, he'll produce. But longevity, I think it has to be a fear. Pittsburgh will run their backs as well, right? I mean, you know, if he goes to Pittsburgh or someplace like that, he's going to get a heavy usage. Well, for another David question, and for the rookie class coming out, there are two top tight ends that are pretty much consensus, consensus top two, no matter who it is. Who's your number one between Brevin Jordan and Kyle Pitts? 
He's going to say Fire that's, Muse, that's, aren't you? You're going to say, no, I like no, Fire No, 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 I'm not. Look, I think Fire Muse third. But, you know, once we see him play, maybe I'll, I'll change my tune. Um, I, I think I'm in the minority here, but I, I like Brevin Jordan. Uh, I think that he, to me, is a little bit more of an all-around tight end. And so, you know, maybe fantasy, maybe Kyle Pitts will be better. I'm not, you know, saying that Brevin Jordan's going to be the better fantasy guy, but he can play in line. He's not an elite blocker, but the size and arm length is so good that it's really tough to get around him. Uh, he's he's a, just a real matchup nightmare in the way he runs routes and moves in the open space. After the catch, he turns into a running back. I like that. I really like that about Brevin Jordan. I think he is a better weapon. I think Kyle Pitts is a much better receiver. Uh, you know, we see Kyle Trask to throw it up in double coverage. Kyle Pitts comes down with the pass. That's great. Like, it looks great, and that's super useful in the NFL. Hopefully, he can do it against NFL players. But, um, you know, I don't think he runs the routes that Brevin Jordan does. I don't think he's as good after the catch. And, you know, so um, I think that that could be an issue. I think both are going to go super high. I think both will go in the first round. I think Kyle Pitts – could go first just because of the SEC production. People, you know, NFL teams love it. They love SEC production. So he could go earlier, but I'd probably put my money on Brevin Jordan um, being a better all-around NFL player. And, um, and I think it'll, it'll depend on system and usage as a lot of things do in the NFL. But I'm in, I think the big three, you know, those two, and I think Friar Muth is, is in that conversation. I think he definitely is part of that big three and um you know all three could be first round picks and finally a good tight end class in the nfl would be would be nice exactly i remember the last time the big three happened it was oj howard evan ingram david ninjoku all first (laughs) rounders so (laughs) reese always has to come off the top rope on a shane oh Oh, it's tough another miami one yeah um (laughs) miami does have a pretty good history of tight ends. All right. Loaded question. All right. First of all, I think Kyle Pitts is what the fantasy community hopes hoped Evan Ingram would be. Undersized, fast, all that stuff. All right. Now another loaded question for you, since you love Devin. You gonna take either of those two tight ends or Eric Gilbert? Oh, I'm taking Eric Gilbert. Uh easy. I mean that's <laughs> it's it's like not even a question, right? The tight end for LSU, Eric Gilbert and here, here's here's why, not even watching them, but we can get into that too, because I think Eric Gilbert's shown himself to already be an elite tight end in his like fourth game. Um, you know, 24-7 sports rated him as the uh, best tight end they ever graded as a recruit. Best ever. And, you know, and who are the other guys at the top? Greg Olson. Um, you know, we're, we're talking like elite, uh, you know, elite drafted tight ends that they have rated at the top. Um and, uh, you know, I'm blanking on the top of my head, but, you know, there are a couple others that all got drafted in the NFL. Reed Gilbert, better than them, better than them as a high school prospect. You know, and he's another guy that's pretty much a receiver. Else he's using him as a receiver because they, they don't really use tight ends there. Uh, but, I mean, just that, that, that touchdown catch in his first game, I mean, was phenomenal. And then, they like, we got to keep using this guy. Now he's getting peppered with targets and he's being utilized. I mean, he's, he's maybe one of the best – college tight ends uh, and it's four games in that I've seen in a while (laughs) and that's even with risk so you made that decision even with two years worth of risk right built and baked in and I would have made that decision before he played a game in college I mean I would have taken him over those players you know um, before he played a game now you know value aside obviously the value would be on the Jordan or Pitts or Fryer Moose side but I 
I, I mean, I did it in Debbie Leaks College, the campus leaks. I waited and I took a recovered. <laughs> you know, I'll let everyone take those these three at the top and I'll wait two, two, three more rounds and I'll take, you know, this guy. So I gotcha. I sorry for loading up on you. That's to me, that's that was a perfect question in Debbie Leaks. You take the the great player now or maybe the best ever that could come out in two years. And look, it could be a weakness on my part too. You know, the, you know, hey, we have those, right? That we will, I always keep trending young and you want the next hot thing. I definitely have that issue at times. So, hey, maybe I'm wrong. I should burden the hands worth two in the bush here. But I mean, th this is a little bit different. This is, you know, the best ever tight end recruit in, you know, in the past 30 years. I'll take my chances. Exactly. Injury is the only thing stopping you. What you got, Reese? So let's transition to the in Oh, one second. One more question. Of the next three years, which draft class has the most talent across the main four positions skill players and across skill players and quarterbacks? Oh, look, that's a loaded question. That's a good question. Um, I'll, can I say which one it's not? It's definitely not 2022. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think the quarterbacks are, are good there. But I think the other positions are struggle um, running back, especially receiver um, and tight end as well. Um, you know, I think 2021 solid. I think 2023 really has the possibility to be one of the better classes um, in a while. And even just a couple games in, I mean, the running backs, uh, the, this true freshman class are already lighting it up, uh, you know, Tank Bigsby in, uh, at Auburn, Jameer Gibbs at Georgia Tech, Kendall Milton at Georgia, Bijan Robinson is, is probably more talented than all of them in Texas, um, Seth McGowan, Chris Tyree, you know, we, we've already have, I think, five or six running backs that are winning the job or going to have the job in a year. We have, you know, two really elite quarterback uh, recruits in Bryce Young at Alabama and DJ uh, Youngle at Clemson, two big programs that are going to produce you know, and we've already seen guys like Jeff Sims at Georgia Tech, Shane Ellingworth at Oklahoma State, you know, play pretty well. And, and I think the receiver class we haven't seen as much of, but the, the talent there is, is really good, too. Uh, so and, and the Reed Gilbert, we just talked about a tight end. You know, I think, you know, once again, projection, um, I think 2021 obviously is talented and probably the safe answer. But, you know, I'm not playing to say why start now. 2023, I think, will be best class of the next three that's a good call i would even say i think and this is since i'm playing a bunch of dynasty debbie leagues i don't want this repeated too much but i don't think the 2021 class is that strong once we get past the top two or three wide receivers the top running back a couple tight ends then where are we you know i mean it's still not that great i mean yes trevor lawrence yes justin fields but on a 12 round i mean uh 12 picks in the first round Where's that drop off? Five, six, seven? So what I heard you say is that it's top heavy with very little depth. Yes, there's some long-term depth, like second, third round pick depth, the guys that I would like, but I don't think there's they're that much worse prospects than like the 110 hole or 111. What do you think, Shane? You know, I, I think I think it might be a little, I think you're selling a little bit short, but I agree with you on the quarterbacks. I agree with you on the running backs. I think that depth's up there. And you know, quarterback usually is that case in recent years. I mean, we will have a really good class every now and then. I do think the receivers are a lot deeper, 
but like we, I think some of the lag there is we just had like a really good receiver class last year. So it's like, do I really need to draft more of them? You know, uh, if, if you, if you have played your cards, right, you drafted CD lamb and chase Claypool. Like, do I have to draft two more just cause they're better? But if that running back and quarterback depth isn't there, you're, you kind of get locked in. So, um, so I think for fantasy purposes, just the timing of the class might not be great. So I think the receiver talent is, you know, 10, 11 deep of really good guys again. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the rest of it, I, you know, I think the running backs is a good call because the more I look at it, the more I just, I, I really don't like the running back class uh, much at all. All I was getting at is if I had the 110, and most of my picks, thankfully, are 110, 111, 112, I'd, I'm not seeing too much of a drop off between there and 2.5 is all I was getting at. Yeah. You know, like, why you know and sometimes those first round classes are deep like the 17 class yes and even last year's class where there was some really good you know james robinson goes undrafted right and so uh anyway that's just my view now plus the other thing i was thinking about when you were talking about 2023 is we still haven't seen two of the major conferences even play you know one of those pack teams may uh end up starting some freshmen and we'd be surprised what else you going to transition the NFL on with sure. Shane? Yes. So uh, the undefeated NFL teams, there's, I believe, five or six. Which one is, a, if any, there might not be any in your opinion. Are there any frauds? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I think it's tough to look at a 4-0 and team or, you know, a 3-0 team and say, hey, you know, this team's a fraud. I, I do – I do kind of think that um, the the Seahawks are a team that scares me. And, and look, the offense and Russell Wilson out of this world. I mean, that defense, especially that pass defense, is not great. Uh, I think the running game, the running game, is really taking a step back. And I think as we saw against Minnesota, you know, if you can control the ball and keep the passing game off the field, you know. You, you can win and, and Minnesota's not good enough to do it, but there are teams good enough to do it, you know? So you know, I, I'd almost favor kind of the Packers and their, their scheme and system to beat the Seahawks. And I don't think the Seahawks are a fraud, but that's one. And, you know, I'll say the other one that concerns me is the Titans. And, and maybe this is kind of my preseason bias because I, I really didn't think they'd be that great. Um, and, you know, the, the COVID issues aside, I just, I, I still don't think that, um, Ryan Tannehill is going to uh, be able to win that, that big game with the Titans offense. You know, Derrick Henry's great. And if he can dominate for 250 yards, you can win. Uh, the defense is solid. I don't think it's spectacular. Uh, so, you know, I just think, I think, I don't think they match up to the Chiefs and the Steelers and the, and the Ravens and the Bills. You know, I think all those teams uh, are better than the Titans are. And uh, if you look at that, that division is pretty soft for him now, which is unexpectedly so. Two teams, they're not undefeated, but, you know, I think the Rams, even though I'm a, big, I'm a pretty big Rams fan, meh, but uh, I think we should be scrutinizing them more. They have four wins and all against the NFC East. And we look at it, you know, so what if you yeah. beat the Giants, the football team, the Cowboys, and the Eagles? So, you know what I mean? And so they lost their one game. Where, how about the Niners? They won two games and they were both in, they were both at New York against the Giants and the Jets. You know, I'm just like, 
maybe Seattle does have a cakewalk in that division other than Kyler. But uh, I don't know. Well, on your Steelers, congratulations on still being undefeated. Uh, what is Claypool's role going to be, and how would that affect the rest of the Steelers by the seasons? As Claypool and Johnson have dominated targets away from Juju. It, it, I think that four touchdown game uh, really puts things in kind of a tailspin for the Steelers receivers and how they want to be utilized. I honestly, I think Chase Claypool will pass James Washington. I think that's what's going to happen. Um, Deontay Johnson, when healthy, is going to play the slot role. You know, when he got hurt, what we saw happen was Juju move into Deontay Johnson's role. And so Claypool got those outside snaps and that's really where he could dominate. And, you know, he played about four in the slot, one being one of his touchdowns. So, you know, I'd actually like to see Chase Claypool in the slot a little bit more as kind of a big slot uh, tight end type, you know, I think could be intriguing, but uh, I think he'll pass James Washington. I think Deontay Johnson's still going to get, you know, a good amount of targets. And I, I think Juju Smith-Schuster is, you know, sometimes I think we look at these receiver numbers and say, oh, this guy must be bad. I don't think, I think Juju Smith-Schuster is great, but you got a ton of weapons. They don't need to throw it to them. Why not take out the top corner of the other team and let's pick on the other guys. That's really what they've done. So the one thing I think long-term is it could make Juju Smith-Schuster expendable. Um, you know, he's, he's going to be a free agent. They don't really have a ton of money um, invested as long as Ben is, is still on the team. So maybe Chase Claypool could take that. You still have Deontay Johnson. You got James Washington. Heck, let Kevin Colbert draft another receiver in the third or fourth round and, you know, you're, you's good to go. Right. So um, that, that's something to, I think, look at. Yeah. Even with as young as uh, Juju is, um, you know, it could be, could be uh, kind of the writing on the wall for him to, to end up with another team sooner rather than later. If I'm the Steelers, I am spending my money, not on Juju, but on TJ Watt, Bud Dupree and James Conner for free agents. Uh, I, I agree with two out of three of those. So, uh, look, I'm with you, I'm with you on the defense. I'm with you on the knock, not Connor. Yeah, I'm with you on the defense. I like TJ Watt, one of the best defensive players in the NFL. You know, you have to. But Dupree, uh, I'm kind of surprised at how good he's played. But this, you know, this defense for Pittsburgh is really good. But they need pass rush to win. We saw that against the Eagles when they didn't get pressure. Uh, Carson Wentz was able to. You know, he's good enough to to make some plays. And so they really need pressure. And that, that's the old Dick LeBeau way. You need the pressure to win. James Conner, uh, I don't think we need him. You know, I, I think, and, and this is kind of more philosophically, I just don't think you need that running back. And I, I, think, I think what we saw these past two games from them kind of reflects that. James Conner's the guy, you know, and he's, he's really good. But they're going to use Benny Snell at the goal line. They're going to try Anthony McFarland a little bit. I think the, for, for the first time ever, uh, they're trying to use more of a committee. And I think that's fine. You know, I would rather not pay Connor and, you know, go out there and, um, you know, draft, draft a guy in, in the fourth round again, you know, draft the CJ Verdell out of Oregon or, um, you know, Cameron Harris out of Miami and, you know, just keep building that running back by committee. Um, I'd be fine with that. But uh, so I, I, I'm intrigued though, because I, I think Reese, you could be right. Like, I, you know, Pittsburgh, James Conner, hometown kid, beat cancer. I think it's a great story. It might be tough for the Steelers not to re-sign him. You could be right. They might do it. Um, but, you know, I I just – I would never re-sign a running back. I just – I just wouldn't, wouldn't do it. I'd just draft one every year and let the chips fall where they may personally. Especially when we look at history. All right, these stats blow my mind, okay? 
Panthers, McCaffrey goes down, Mike Davis, journeyman comes in, throws big numbers, and they win all three games. Raheem Mostert, undrafted, right? Or was he a sixth-round pick? He, he was late enough where he technically counts as Chris, Chris Carter, very late round draft. Uh, Chris Carson, excuse me. Chris yeah. Carson Seven. was seventh rounder. I just meant history's been good drafting late uh, late round guys. You think or not? Yeah, and you can do it. And if it doesn't work out, you draft another one, right? Yeah. Like, that's fine. Oh, why not do it? Especially like the Zach... Uh, uh, Moss kind of guys, right? What was he? Third round, fourth round pick, fourth round pick. No big deal. But Aaron Jones, the fifth round pick. Look how that's turned out for him. He's right. trying to get himself a new contract. Even Chase Edmonds might. So I'm a Chase Edmonds, not a Kenyon Drake guy. Late round draft pick, right? Fifth round, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, small school. You know those guys. I mean, look at the small school running backs: James Robinson, Chase Edmonds, David Johnson. I mean, you know, you don't need to even draft a guy from Bama or Clemson you can find these small school gems too or the retreads like the Carlos Hyde but the number the stat that always blows my mind is Carlos Hyde's first thousand yard season was last year in Houston you know and uh fact in deeper fantasy leagues I always recommend people stashing because I don't know if Carson's gonna be able to hold up the whole season he's kind of been dinged over his career but this year, he might hold up a little bit better as Russ has been cooking a little bit more. Russ has been cooking. Yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> well, for – you mentioned COVID a little bit earlier. Do you think the NFL is being fair to all teams about how it's been rescheduling games, rescheduling buys? Do you think that's been fair to all teams? I, I I can say no and say that there's not a good solution, right? Like uh, there's not a, po- a way to be fair with what the NFL is trying to do, you know? Um, I mean, I think if, if I was the NFL and look, I don't have any money at stake or any of any of this at stake, you know, I, I would probably just extend the season by two weeks. Let's fill in the games there. And that way things can kind of be more fair teams that you know can have extra bye weeks and it'll be fine right um i think that would be better you know i mean pittsburgh uh, the sealer fans here are in an uproar over you know like having you know getting that bye week early everyone was relatively healthy now we got to play all these games in a row and titans should forfeit and like it's not going to happen you know but uh yeah that that's that's the 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 mood around uh the city right now is uh you know we kind of have to show them but like it was never going to be fair it was never going to be you know it's as equitable as they can be you know like i said i think the nfl should try and a little too hard not to the season's going to get extended at some point you know they're going to have to do it um you know you might as well do it and try to let t- the schedule kind of have some semblance um as you can um, that's just my thought, but it, it, it's, it's a tough year. I'm just glad we have football. I'm just glad it's here because there's a possibility we, we did win it all. And so I'll, I'll take, you know, what, whatever I can get, if we can have it each week, then, and we don't have to shut it down. I, I'm pretty happy. I had not thought of that schedule idea, but I do think it's good. And as a Broncos fan, I also think we got, we got the short end of the stick this time too. Because yep. you're playing, now Cam will be, uh, off COVID, right? Right. But yeah. Here's the thought, Shane, and I saw it in Heard. We're, we're recording Monday night, so if y'all see this and you see it later. They will wait, the NFL, will wait till teams that have already had their bye week that need extension on time before they introduce the week 18. 
And so they don't want to play their cards now. They're going to wait to week six, seven, eight, nine, whatever late as possible. So you have as few buys left to negotiate and then play that next week. And then if you have to, you know, I mean, the next, you know, add a week on and then add another week on. And then, you know what I mean? But I do expect there to be 18, 19 weeks. Yeah, no, and you're right. I think that's what they're trying to do. And, you know, as a Steeler fan, that's probably going to work out in the Steelers' favor. They're going to make the playoffs, probably not be the number one overall seed. So, you know, you, you want a buy or two at the end. It would be nice to have, um, you know, by weeks at the end. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you even saw with that Broncos-Patriots reschedule, how many dominoes did that start flipping? I mean, I looked at the list. I was like, it was six games, seven games getting rescheduled. Like, yeah, it's not going to last too long. <laughs> uh, there's only so much that you can do that. So I agree with you. Like the Steelers, AJ Brown's going to be back. He wasn't going to play, you know, for you guys, Cam is going to be back. And it's like, you know, the, the, the teams that are having the issues kind of feel like they're getting rewarded. Um, but, you know, I'm sure that lack of practice time for those teams, you know, will have an effect and, um, you know, hopefully things just kind of work out the way that they, they should. You know, bad football, all this, if it gets extended and we have 20, 20 weeks of the regular season, all the better as a fan. The one thing I wanted to bring up, fancy people that are looking at coordinating bye weeks, now is not the time to do it. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's all off the table. Well, I was thinking it's not, it's not fair to a lot of teams that this is happening. And I, my dad and my mom have taught me, you should not get rewarded for breaking rules. Yet the Titans and Patriots are getting rewarded for breaking rules. As a Broncos fan, he's pretty much anti-Patriots to begin with. So that's a different story. What else, what other questions you got for Shane if we get, start wrapping up? So we were discussing the possibilities. Do you believe that they'll play all 16 games uh, this season without having to go to a bubble? I, I, it's that's that's a good question i would probably bet on the nfl they're going to try their hardest to so i'd probably say that they probably will um i I think it's intriguing to talk about what if it gets really bad you know not only just for the nfl but the country in general again you know what 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 happens now uh, you have to be like the mlb or the nhl and shut down for a little while and then what does a bubble look like in the NFL? Because you can't, you can't put all the teams just in a bubble. Like, right. you know, you, you can't have uh, thousands of guys. So, you know, is it, are we going, you know, are we keeping the records and then you got, you're going to play your division again, twice each team, let's division bubbles or, you know, I, it, it, it would, it would be really weird. Um, and so I'm, I'm hopeful that it won't happen. Like I said, I think the NFL is going to claw and just hope that they can just make it through at least get to the playoffs where you can, you know, we can wait on the playoffs if we need to. Um, I think that's kind of the goal is to at least get where they can. So I think it'll happen. Um, a little bit of my fear for fantasy is that toward the end of the season, if things are starting to ramp up, they just start canceling games that have no playoff implications. And now, now those are gone. You know, I don't know if it'll happen, but that, that, that is a fear that I have. And we're left in our fantasy championships just like, five games out you know <laughs> so uh you know that, that could 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 happen if it really had to i fear more players coming down with something you know <clears throat> something verse because the nfl is not going to willingly give up games because they make too much money but i could see the players opting out so to speak all right one last question for you shane it's loaded as well with your you being a Steelers fan 
that division is the best AFC North, I think is the best in football. You agree or disagree? Yeah. Ooh, I, I, I think, I think I'd have to agree right now. Um, I, you know, I, I yeah, I, I don't think there's another AFC division that holds a candle to it. I think we talked about the NFC West is kind of fraudulent. Um, yeah. I mean, unless, you know, unless the Panthers are, have kind of turned legitimate, maybe the NFC South, um, you I think you can make an argument for, but I, I think the Steelers, Ravens and Browns are, um, better than, than those top teams. So, yeah, I think it is. I mean, the, the Bengals are kind of out there, uh, but I think it's really strong at the top and, um, you know, the Browns are doing better than I expected them to. And, uh, I think we knew the Ravens and Steelers would be here. So there's going to be some fun games later in the season, uh, between these three teams. Well, the, that division has, I believe, uh, I believe that division has like 13 wins. And the one team with a losing record would not have a losing record out does not have a losing record if they did not play the two division games. So division teams, yeah. Yeah. But I would also say the secret sauce of those three good teams, and even I think Zach Taylor is doing a good job in Cincinnati, has to have coaching staff. Stefanski's impressed me a lot. And I think that um, the Baltimore coaching staff strong in terms of using Lamar, even though people don't want to talk about Lamar's not having a Lamar type of season. And uh, Pittsburgh always has a great coaching staff. But anyway, it's one of those things. Hey, Shane, as we part, where can people find your work? How can they find you? They say this Shane guy is the best guest we've ever heard on this podcast. Where can they find you? Check me out, fakepigskin.com. You can find my articles there, my Trey Lance article. Um, draftsite.com, if you want to check out my mock drafts. I have a seven-round 2021 mock. Um, I'm updating my 2022 mock, uh, seven rounds, coming up in the next week or so. Uh, and then I'll be – I have at least a one-round 2023. I'm pushing for a 2024. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if I see if they'll let me. Um, and then my my podcast, The Debbie Marketplace, you can look it up wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, me and Kane Fassell of, of DLF talk, uh, Debbie values college football and it's a good time. So, um, yeah, that's where you can find me. And I, I appreciate you guys having me on. And it's always, always a good time. You, you know, two, two of the best minds right here in the same family in football. It's, it's, it's uh, awesome to see. It's awesome. Shane and Kane show, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we look, we, we have a good time. We get some nonsense in there and, um, you know, just, just kind of let loose and, and have fun. And um, so we'll, it uh, comes out every Wednesday. Good deal. Thank right. you for being on here. Yeah, thank you, Shane. We'll talk to you later and we'll have you on later in the season. Sounds great.